I'm the American Pharaoh, also from I'm a pod star, not a doctor. <laughs> He's also on the show. We share the yeah, show yeah, together. Yeah, I'm, here. I'm here. I'm here. Start that over. That sucked. <laughs> All right. Wait, I forgot what I normally say. Trying to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah. Trying to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. yeah. Trying to get a lot of dough and dirt the water. What up, what up, what up, what up? Hey, it's your boy Cuff Daddy. Welcome to I'm a Potsler, not a doctor, where we hear real docs having real talk. And you might fuck around and accidentally learn some shit. It's me, Danny Acevedo, and I'm the Cuff Daddy, and... And uh, it's me, uh, the code host, uh, Sharif. <laughs> hey, also American known, Pharaoh, what are you up to these as days? The... <laughs> I'm not good at impersonating. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to I'm a Pod Star, Not a Doctor. It's your boy, Cuff Daddy, and my co-host... The American Pharaoh, a.k.a. Sharif. <laughs> As usual, we're just messing around uh, on this podcast. You can hear some real docs having real talk, and we might fuck around and accidentally teach you something. Uh, so what's up, Sharif? It looks like you're in a hotel room. Where are you? I am in Memphis, Tennessee, home of Elvis Presley. Ooh, what are you doing there? Uh, I got to teach a lab tomorrow, so I think I'm going to be done at noon, but I have a flight out at like 5, uh, so I'm going to try to hit Graceland. I want to see where the king is from. Oh, that's going to be dope. That's always cool about, about traveling. Um, traveling suck. Oh, so speaking of traveling, you know, we go into a lot of airports. You travel, we travel. What's like your, your go-to like airport thing, like your airport snack? Like there's got to be something Chili. that you go to the, every airport and you get Chili's. something. Chili's. Chili's. Like what kind of chilies? Like chili sip, chips and salsa. See, you don't even know because like you, you <laughs> forgot like what restaurants were like that were not vegan. So I just get well, my chips and salsa, sit at the bar, maybe a beer yeah. or two. Yeah. So on the airport, actually, it's technically like a vegan cheat, I guess, because it's not technically vegan. But I always get Haribo Twin Snakes. They're like these little gummies and like one wow. snake is sweet and one snake is sour and they're connected together. And then when you, when you, it's yeah. like they're amazing. They're now, amazing. You wait. So we're at an, <laughs> hold on. So are you saying you're at an airport or yeah. this is like late night, oh. 2 a.m.? No, no, that's my airport <laughs> snack. Like, like okay. if I go to the airport, like I'm always like, oh, airport, I got to get some twin snakes. So I, I'm not a huge snack guy. Like, I, I know buddies of mine that, and, and, you know, even my own kids, it's, it's kind of like the movie theater. They go, you know, you go to a movie theater, I'm a popcorn and a slushy. Done. They're getting, you know, milk duds and junior mints and Twizzlers. <laughs> and then when we fly, they're the exact same. They want so much garbage. There's like this chocolate store in the Detroit <laughs> airport that's second to none. And they're getting anything and everything. I, I don't know. I don't snack like that. I'd rather sit at Chili's and get my chips and salsa. Oh, no, dude, I always have to get my twin snakes. I don't usually get like a drink or anything. Um, and then the other thing is, is I have to try to get like the same chair in in the plane if I can. Like I like to do. Chair. 
So I got, I got like a hack. The hack is I try to always get that like exit row so oh, okay. that I can sit and you get like a little extra leg room. But then like if the plane goes down, you have to be ready to like help. Okay. That's such a loaded comment. You want more leg room. You yeah. want more leg room. Yeah. What are you going to do with all the extra leg room? Take a bigger bag? I don't know. It's just better. It's better. You know, you don't get, you can't put anything under, but you get like more leg room. So you can kind of, there's, and then there's like this one chair too, that on the planes that sits behind like the double. So like, there's nobody in front of that guy. That's like it's the other exit row. Seven and that seat 14, like D. Yeah. I know which one you're talking about. There's nothing yeah. in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, that, yeah, that's unfortunate that I know what plane that is because we travel too much. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what seat it is. I just I always try to get that one. Yeah, so I don't, it's funny. It's an, and I'm so lucky because I've been able to travel quite a bit, and most of it is not on my dime because of teaching and stuff like that. Um, you know, the the thing that for me is I I've, I'm lucky enough to be diamond on Delta, and I'm a million miler, so. I get bumped up almost every flight I take and it's so great. So now I'm, I'm so jaded. So when I don't get bumped up, I'm so disgruntled, which sucks. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm a rookie still, dude. Like I'm learning to, I got the points cooking, but I still have to get TSA pre-check. I keep waiting in line and, and I'll see all my friends at the, at the, at the airport. And then they're like passing me. We all Uber to the airport together. And then they're going, I'm like, they're like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I don't have pre-check. I have to go wait in line. And they're like, what? <laughs> and, uh, well, I gotta, seriously, what year is it where you are? I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it soon. <laughs> well, it's funny. So today I went through, um, so I'm pre-check and I'm clear. And so today when we walked through, I guess clear is they've changed their, their software. So they said, you need to take a new picture. And my hair was down. I'm like wearing a t-shirt and this like hoodie. And the last, last one I had, I was like in a suit and my hair was pulled back. And so it was all like proper. This one now I've taken, which is God only knows how long it's going to be. I look like an absolute derelict. And so they're like, this is going to be your picture. I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> and so I, I kind of look like Jesus. And so we'll see how it goes. And then of course, so as I'm going through, uh, there's like this, un, uh, this lady, she, she couldn't have been a sweeter later. She was so nice, but she was in a wheelchair and they pushed her through. And she, of course she beeped because they're in the wheelchair. So they did all that they had to do. So this line built up behind her and there's like 20, 25 people. And so they're all going through one after the other, one after the other. And I'm like, shit, I know what's coming. Sure as shit. As soon as I go through the thing. Oh, sorry, sir. You've been randomly screened. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> they profiled you. A hundred percent. They did. I, I don't care if there's one or 25. I'm always randomly screened. It's for the safety of the other passengers, sir. I know. And it's not like my coat was ticking or anything, but it's, they don't know you. They don't know, know you're the American Pharaoh and you're out here fucking snapping necks and cashing checks and doing a podcast. <laughs> they don't. They think I'm trying to snap necks, but on a plane. Yeah. And that's not, that's not at all the way. I'm, I'm a very sweet man. That's not terrible. What about like, you know, when you're in the airport and you're in the plane and, and you look around, like, do you worry that sometimes like something will happen on the plane, they're going to need a doctor and then you're going to have to like go do non-orthopedic stuff on the plane. Oh, this is a great story. So I'm sitting in the last row of uh, first class and when I got bumped up on it. And so I'm sitting there and I have my headphones on. I'm listening to, you know, whatever. 
and all of a sudden I see this commotion and all these flight attendants are running back and forth up the aisle and I'm, and I'm like, Oh God, what's happening. I look over to my right and they're talking to this guy and he's just like, I'm going to say maybe mid seventies. And he's like, he just kind of, his face turns white and uh, I'm watching this and I, I'm, I don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden he gets up and he's, and I take off my headphones and I said, well, what's going on? He's like, Oh, they need a doctor. And I'm like, you got it. And, and he's like, ah. He goes, I'm a radiologist. I mean, <laughs> the guy's like 75. So he hasn't laid hands on a human in at least 40 years. So I looked at him like, dude, I'm an orthopedist. I got this. Once you sit this one out. By the time I got back to there was three ICU nurses with the person. And they were like, it was just yeah. like, they're blood God sugar. Bless the nurses. Oh, God, God bless, bless the nurses. They're always so on I, the plane. They're ready to roll. I'm like, sweet. Go oh, for it. Oh, they're so excited. <laughs> So I get back there. This lady's like in the aisle. They got her laying down. They're giving her some orange juice and she's coming to it. Blood sugar was low. And I was like, thanks guys for taking care of them. Cause I don't, unless they broke something, I was not going to be much help. So they offered me some flight, you know, some miles. They said, no, you know what? Just give it to them. <laughs> That's not terrible. I mean, I'd be okay with an orthopedic surgeon trying to surgeon trying to save me. What about, what about a dentist? Like, I remember I was on a plane one time and something like that happened. And, like, they're like, is there a doctor? And, like, right away, like, this person gets on up and and they're like, I'm a doctor. I'm a dentist. <laughs> like, uh, I, don't I, don't to, I don't want to alienate the dentist from listening to us. So I'm going to just. <laughs> no, I'm not talking shit. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, like, go for it. Like, well, maybe he was I mean, maybe he was an EMT. I don't know. Who knows? I, honestly, a dentist and an orthopedist probably have the same ability to take care of that person. I don't think so, you know, because we could at least like put a trach in and, you know, use a scalpel if need be. That's fair. And I, I mean, can do that. And I'm good with the, uh, you know, the CPR. <laughs> I'm strong. Yeah, <laughs> You'll break their chest. I mean, you were talking in our last episode how you work out and you can do 40 burpees like it's nothing. You're doing Turkish hey, get up. I mean, if you try to do I'm breaking necks. You're breaking sternums, bro. That's right. Good CPR. You're breaking some ribs, right? 100%. That's what... <laughs> 100%. If you're not breaking ribs, you're not doing it right. <laughs> <We're> not, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I'm in Memphis. That's where we started this. So, yeah. Is it, is it all work, no play? I feel like a lot of the times, you know, we're traveling and it's fun to go, you know, give lectures and give talks. But then, you know, a lot of times you're rushing home. I, I rarely get a chance to kind of go, like, explore the city. I try yeah, to. I, I try to get in, get out as quickly as possible. However, you know, when you come to a smaller market city like this with a smaller airport, there's not as many flights. So everything that I need to fly out in is going to go through Atlanta. So I'm going to have to buy some time and... I'm already looking at where I'm going to go for a few hours. And so Graceland's not far away. Memphis isn't that big. And uh, I just I just want to just lay eyes on it. I haven't been in Memphis in years. I think I went to Beale Street years ago and listened to some good music. And But I, I just need to see the king. I just need to see <laughs> where the king was. That's dope. It's Because you're going to go to Graceland, right? 100%. Yeah, that's dope. The movie's dope. I saw the movie, and then that other movie, Priscilla's out. Have you seen that? I have not seen that one. I saw Elvis. I thought that was great. Yeah, that was dope. And I don't know. The Priscilla, I'm, I'm curious what that one's about, because uh, just like in anything, there's three 
perspectives to it. So there's always like three sides to every story, mine, yours, and something in the middle is probably true. So now we have Elvis, we have Priscilla. So I wonder where in the middle the real is, but either way, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy that, you know, what a story. Okay. I'll keep going. <laughs> just got but who knows? Maybe you're the next Elvis, you're the, but for rotator cuffs. No. You're going to come out with something so unique. You're going to dance in the OR. I don't know. Dude, I can't sing. Like, I'm I'm super down to do karaoke, but like everybody, I mean, and I'll go hard, but everybody says I'm tone deaf. So I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't even imagine that you'd be tone deaf. I do Apparently. like your music that Bobby came up with. Your music is amazing. Bobby, are you there? Can we play his music? I want his entrance music. Is that queued up? It's a vibe. Oh, it's so good. So if you haven't heard it, go back to season two, episode one, the opening. Oh, here it is. There it is. <laughs> Hola, mi amigos. Es su amigo Papi Manguito. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm gonna to have to learn how to do our intro in Arabic if you're gonna do it in Spanish. <laughs> Papi Manguito, yeah, dude, go daddy. Uh, so, what are we doing today, man? Who are we? Who are we bringing on? So this guy, I, you know what? I think this guy's like an onion. There's a lot of layers to this guy, and I'm ex- I'm, I'm excited because we met each other on a flight, and I'll let him tell the story, but. We, we started talking on a flight and this guy was absolutely fascinating. And as we talked, he's like, hey, let's exchange numbers. And we did. And then as we, I started to stalk his Instagram a little bit, I mean, this dude knows everybody. He is intertwined with everybody that is somebody. But at the same time, he couldn't be more humble and sweet and nice and just... I'm excited just to hear what it's going to be like to to get to know him even better. Uh, but his name is Michael Sullivan. Goes by Sully. A, he is a coach, advisor, mentor. He's born in Boston, and he's. Um, I, I think one of the things we'll talk about. He's been in recovery for about 14 years, and he's helping others stay sober and get clean and just live healthier, better lives. So I'm really excited to have Sully on tonight. So let's bring him on. Fellas, thanks for having me on your podcast. No, we're excited to have you on. Actually, I'm in Memphis, so that dude over your right shoulder, I'm going to go check out his crib tomorrow. Yeah. Going to Graceland? Yeah, I'm down here for a meeting, and uh, so I have a couple hours to kill before I get on a flight, so I figured, why not go see where uh, where the king lives? You know what's funny is me and my now wife, yeah, you got to meet her. Oh, she was my fiance when you met her, Sharif, right, on the yeah. flight. Yes. We got married on New Year's Eve. We got the one, two, three, one, two, three wedding date. 
That's awesome. And um, we just watched Elvis, the movie, last night. Is that the first time you've seen it? It is. We were just talking about it because Danny just watched uh, Priscilla. I have not seen Priscilla. Have you? I didn't even know that was a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's the other <laughs> side. <laughs> so I, one of the I said there's three sides to every story. So there's yeah. Elvis, there's Priscilla, and something in the middle is probably the truth. So, But no, that was a great movie. I didn't know all the the backstory of the, the colonel. I didn't know like, I didn't know any of that. I knew the drug part of it, but yeah, I didn't know any of the, you know, that he stole so much money from him during the whole process, which was wow. Oh, it's criminal. I mean, you look at all, I mean, what we do in, in medicine, it's, it's all about contracts and it's like, well, there's this contract, there's that contract. So for us, it's crazy. I mean, we're, we're pretty good at what we do when it comes to operating on people, but we're fucking idiots when it comes to contracts. So we always have to get the attorneys involved and then they drag it out and it's a mess. But I mean, you can see why it's like that movie was a freeze? perfect indication of yeah. how somebody could easily yeah, get taken advantage of. Bro, see what happens when you talk shit about people? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You just I'm got shut that. off. I'm, I'm not saying that we don't like attorneys, but we're just saying that we need attorneys because it's crazy like what people will try to do. So but, yeah. do the people do the people here know our connection, Tree? No, you want to tell it? Go for it. I think you tell it. All right. Your podcast. I'm just a guest. Okay. So I'm sitting in 2C. There's <laughs> there's this handsome man in front of me with this beautiful spiked hair in front of me. And he's in one C and this gorgeous woman in one D. And that is now his beautiful wife. And we're sitting there and, and I'm I'm like all of a sudden, I don't know what happens. This guy taps me on the shoulder. I was engulfed in probably some, you know, rom com on the movie on the <laughs> And is that what you oh, watch? Rom coms? No, I didn't. I don't know. It just sounds better for the story. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle is the truth. And all of a sudden this guy taps me on the shoulder. He's like, Hey, nice shoes. And I'm like, Oh, thanks, brother. And I mean looked down, we have the same Travis Scott, you know, air same the, uh, exact court. ones. Yeah. So we're looking at each other and all of a sudden we started talking and I'm like, this guy's super cool. And I don't know how something came up and some came up. We started dying. He's like, what do you do? I'm a doctor, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what do you do? And he's got this tattoo on his, on his hand and it's the time and date of his last drink. Is that fair to say? On uh, your Well, last time getting high, my sobriety date is March 11, 2009. And my clock is 311, which by the way, Nobody knows how to read a clock anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Nobody. <laughs> like people are like, what time is that? And I'm like, well, what does it say? They're like, uh, 2.30. I'm like, 2.30? No, because everything's digital. So yeah, that's, I waited 10 years in my sobriety before I got my sobriety date put on my hand. That's awesome. That's but yeah, so we started talking and next thing you know, we exchanged numbers and we stayed in touch yep. and, yep. I, and, and I, now like watch his Instagram to just live vicariously through his life. And I'm like, holy shit, I meet this super humble, sweet guy. And it turns out this guy is like a, a legend. No, I just, you know, it's funny. I'm a big believer of God puts people in your life at the right time, including my wife. I met her at the exact time I was supposed to. But what, what really intrigued me about you after the like legit, I remember sitting there just getting in the flight and it was wild because we I've never come that close to getting on a plane as we did that day. We literally valleyed the car at Vegas 
and I didn't stop walking until I sat down. Like there was no, hey, let's wait in line. No, it was straight valet through the tram, walk to the gate, walk right into my seat. Meanwhile, my now wife is getting a Starbucks. She doesn't care. She's like, I have a seat. I'm not in any rush. So I was like a little discombobulated for the flight. Yeah. And she makes fun of me. You sat down and all of a sudden she came in later with the coffee. She just like was strolling in like, this fucking plane's waiting for me. She's like, you waited 20. She said, you waited 20 extra minutes. I'm like, babe, (laughs) I'm not arguing. I'm never going to argue with you because you travel more than I do. So yes, you're right. And then, so then when I went up, I remember I wanted to get something out of my backpack and when I got out, of, when I got out of my seat, I looked and you legit were wearing the reverse mochas and I had just bought them. So we started yeah. talking. And then when we discussed what you do for a living, and then I told you, I just had two years ago, I had my shoulder rotator, labor and bicep done, no pain meds because I'm in recovery. And my biggest fear is relapse. Right. And you knew my surgeon, Dr. Frank from the Kings mm-hmm. and my biggest concern when we talked about this surgery, my rotator cuff, Danny, cuff daddy, I'm going to call you just by the name. I love that name. <laughs> my rotator cuff was 70% torn when I finally went to see him. And he said, what took you so long? And I told him, I'm like, I'm in recovery and I'm really worried about a relapse. And he's like, that's it. Oh. And I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's it. And he goes, I don't mean that, Sully. I mean, that. don't worry about that part. I'll put a nerve block in your neck. We'll get you through the first four days. And then after that, it's just going to have to be Tylenol and Advil and ibuprofen. And that's what really had Sharif and I starting to talk because he's discussed what he does in his profession that really engaged me because, look, there are so many stories on the opioid crisis and there's a Netflix series and there's a Hulu series on the Shackler family and the Sackler family. And, you know, that's very close to my heart because when you're in recovery, there's either two ways to go through life. Either you're sober or you die. That's it. Like it's that black and white for me and to hear your approach Shreef is really what intrigued me to continue the conversation on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. I mean, I've had that in my practice too. Like you get like patients who are just deadly scared of taking Norco and it's like, it's kind of like hits home and you're kind of like, Oh man, like I definitely don't want these people to get relapsed because of me. But, um, you know, a lot of this opioid crisis stuff we deal with on a daily basis, but I think it's all, it's helped us all as doctors. Like I rarely give narcotics. I give people like a few pills and I don't even like doing that. And sure. I always, I always tell them like, look, in other countries, they give you, you get a shoulder replacement. All they give you is Tylenol and they do fine. You don't need this yep. shit. Yep. Yeah. And that's legit how Sharif and I started talking. And that was it. It was just hanging out and good people meet good people. I'm a big believer of that. Well, you're very sweet. And, you know, it's we, we can jump into this because I, I think this is such an important topic. I mean, and we joke around and fuck around on our podcast quite a bit. But I, I, sure. I really do think that this is a real conversation because nobody wants to talk about it. And so we make, like you said, a Hulu and a, and a Netflix and it, we want to entertain you about having this conversation, but fuck that. Let's have a real conversation and say that what has happened over the last 15 to 20 years is bad and have people take responsibility for it, which unfortunately they claimed bankruptcy in it's not they're not bankrupt let's be honest the sackler family but we we need to do better and the unfortunate thing is um i went to capitol hill and stumped there and and lobbied to try to get the known pain act approved uh, which is to help people it's not to hurt people 
And when it got approved and I posted some stuff on my social media, I was getting threats on it that are still there. It's like, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, my life is all about pain and what they don't understand. And it's because of we're not educating people and we're not helping these people be, by giving them more meds. We need to pull them aside and say, hey, look, we have a lot of ways to help you. And you're a perfect example of that, how many people you've helped. And it's just we got to do better at educating. Period. The best thing now is when athletes who have a big platform are very open and willing to talk about not only where they are now, but like the dark days, right? Mm -hmm. You and I talked about my buddy Ryan and Ryan Leaf and his story is outstanding, right? He went, he had to go to jail to get, he had to go to prison to get sober. And ever since he's come out and he has his own show and he has his own talk, he was just on the Dan Patrick show yesterday morning and they talk about football and they talk about the people coming up and everything that he's doing with his life. And then they also talk about, hey, when you were in these moments, how did you do this and how did you do that? And he's like, I had to be willing to finally take some directions from a stranger, follow some guidance. Me, I'm a 12-step I'm a guy, right? Now that's, you know, press, radio, and films. I'm very careful with the tradition, but I'm a 12-step guy. That's what saved my life. Now, what I do in my professional field, if some people don't want to do a 12-step program, fine. Well, how do I help you stay clean and sober today? How do we stay away from a drink and a drug today if you don't want to do a 12-step program? Do you want to go to church? Do you want to get into the Bible? Do you want to do refuge recovery? Do you want to do Buddhism? Like you tell me and I'll meet you there. And that's the biggest thing is I need, I try to be open and transparent with people because for me, trust is the biggest thing that I have in any relationship. And especially with the guys that in the circle that I run with, everybody's always trying to get something from pro. I work with pro athletes, coaches, and CEOs for a living. And everybody's always trying to get something from them. Hey, can you get me tickets? Hey, can you get me a stick? Hey, can you sign me a jersey? Fuck it. Get the fuck out of here. No. How about, hey, man, what's going on? Because mm -hmm. Cuff Daddy, you might not know this, but when I float around in these environments, it always starts with, who's that? Oh, that's just Sully. No, no, but who's that? Oh, don't worry about it. That's just Sully. And then they see me around and then it trickles out organically why I'm around. And what that leads to is, hey, Sully, uh, you got a minute? I'm like, yeah, what's up? I can't stop doing cocaine. Oh, cool, man. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. I can't stop doing cocaine. I'm like, no, 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 I heard you. But now I can help you, right? Because now the trust is there. They see mm -hmm. me around. They know I don't say anything. I see a lot. I say little in my environments. And those conversations to me is worth everything of what I do for a living. And your engagement with me even, I mean, I can see that, I could have known you five minutes and if I had a problem and you said what you said, I could have opened up to you immediately and said, you know what, Sully, I need your help. I need what you can offer me. And I think like you said, there, there's certain people are brought into your life for certain reasons. And, you know, for me and you to meet, I, I don't know. I, I think we have yet to figure out why we met, but sure. I'm glad we did. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, it's like that connection was immediate. And I, I'm looking at Cuff Daddy because I've done enough of these episodes to to see his face. He's like, this dude, you're you're engaged, right, Cuff Daddy? <laughs> I'm engaged, but it's funny because he's saying like 
he's coming in to our life at the right time and it's I didn't know honestly I'll be honest like, I didn't know what you did until like a couple days ago and when I looked it up for the show but I told Sharif the other day that I'm like sober curious and I'm trying to give up drinking and like I'm it's been two weeks and I'm gonna like completely give it up for six months and then my wife and daughter are like why don't you just forever and I'm like oh you know and that kind of intrigues me to be able to stop you know just even drinking right, hold on, hold on. Let's, just to get let's... rid of it Fuck that. Let's tap into that statement. <laughs> Sober curious. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't have to get so deep because it's a podcast, but let's like, let's come on. Let's dive into that. What does Sober curious look like for you? Like, I just, I kind of want to give up drinking. Like I like drinking and I like having fun. But then like what Sharif said is like, sometimes, you know, like when you, cause I, I, you start to realize like, why am I drinking on the weekends? Like, yeah, I had a hard week. And then, then like, you start to think like, wait, am I using this? Like, is this my coping mechanism? Cause that's bad. I don't want drinking to be my coping mechanism or am I having fun? And then you'll get drunk on the weekend. And then you'll be like, wait, this isn't that fun. I'm too old for this shit. You know I what I mean? Like- I do, but yeah. then there's another question is why six months? Oh, because that's the longest I've ever gone. I went one year, I went six months. And it just, was awesome. It was awesome. You're just like you're just like fuck it, I'm not drinking anymore. Yeah. Just to get healthy, you know, because it's it's not healthy, let's be honest, right? We're all doctors. Everyone has their vices and nobody's like has like the purest lifestyle, right? So I'm I'm I try to be healthy, I'm vegan, I'm plant based. But you know, I go out and I'm fun and, and I and like people around me like drink, so I like to drink, but then I kind of want to be like, no, I don't want to drink. But you know, I'll be honest, and my wife knows this too, is like it's hard, you know, like if people who don't drink, like we have some Mormon friends too that hang out with you, but like it depends like it like you feel weird not having a drink in your hand hold on bingo do you know how hard it is to like go out and what do i do with these fucking things yeah when you're out so then you're like all right fuck it and then you just you know you drink. <laughs> you're like putting them in your pocket you're like hey and i don't smoke that's, right that's, i mean you could smoke yeah, That's you a could legit thing. What the fuck do i do with these when i'm out <laughs> why is that a common thing is that what people say yeah, that's that's one of the there's multiple things and I'm glad that look, let's dive in. Here's a challenge for you. Fuck the 6 months. Just don't drink today. That's it. Just oh, don't drink today. Oh yeah, it's okay? easy. You're, you're almost through today, right? What is it? 10:30 your time almost? Yeah. Okay. It gets, and then it's, it's it's not hard the first couple of months. It's that third month, that fourth month. And then what really kicks it is like when I go out cuz I go out a lot, right? And then you're like, fuck, everyone's drinking and then you're there just like not but you actually bring something interesting up because if you go, so I just had this great dinner here in Memphis before I came on the podcast. And the first thing they fucking hand you is the wine list. Here's a cocktail list. Here's da, 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 da. It's like, it's, it is part of the meal. It's and so when you say, you know what? No, thank you. I don't want the wine list. I don't want the cocktail. They, they already are like, well, okay. So there's half my tip. So it, it's it's ingrained to fire this at you, and it's part of it. And if you don't drink it, then what's wrong with you? And that's the problem. Well, that's not the problem. That's in your head. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's fair. I want to touch on what Cuff Daddy said. Yeah, you're out. You're hanging out. Everybody's drinking. What am I doing? By the way, only people like me. I'll speak for myself. When I go out, and I used to be when I was newly sober, trying to figure out. What to do and everybody when they newly sober, we just start firing down Red Bulls because you legit don't know what to fucking do. Oh, hey, uh, yeah, give me a Red Bull. Next thing you know, you're like seven Red Bulls deep and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to it. But you're sober, right? So yeah. but the other thing is 
no one realizes that I'm not drinking. Nobody. They're too busy doing their own fucking thing and their mm -hmm. own drinking. They don't even notice I'm not drinking unless I tell them, no, man, not, not tonight. I'm not drinking. It's all in my head when I would go out and be like, oh, my God, they know I'm not drinking. They don't give a shit about me. They're in their own world. <laughs> when I go out, legit, yeah. I'm the alien. I'm the alien of the group. Sully, why aren't you drinking? Ah, not tonight. I'm because I'm driving, right? That's the easy one. Oh, I'm driving. Then people are like, I oh, don't worry about it. you're gonna. No, man, I don't want to blow up my career tonight. I'm just not. It's a lot easier for me to tell people now. I'm 14 years, nine months sober, so I know yeah. how to handle myself. And I go to the same spots. And we just came back from Fleming's, and the bartender is a good friend of mine. And we do espresso shots because he knows I love espresso. <laughs> and then he puts a Pellegrino in front of me. Like I've been in enough situations that that's. For me, and then when I was new, I always went to get my own drink, Cuff Daddy. I always went and got my own drink. Hey, you want something to drink? Not so right. I'll go get it. And then I go get a, a, a Pellegrino or a tonic water or a Diet Coke. And that's, that handles this. Oh, now I got this in my hand. Okay. Now I can just function. Because it yeah. is. Um, I love that you said that because people don't realize when you're drinking and you don't have a problem, you're just like, yeah, man, I got something. You stop drinking. You're like, what do I do with the I said, what do I do with these fucking things? Yeah, that's why smokers can't quit smoking. So I always tell them, like, get sunflower seeds. And then they get that like little thing that they do with the seeds. And then it feels like they're smoking. I actually yeah. tell patients like that are trying to quit before a surgery. I said, do me a favor. I want you to go outside every time you want a cigarette. But don't light a cigarette. Just. Take the deep breaths because what you're doing smoking is a breathing exercise. You're taking big, deep breaths and you're blowing out. The only difference now is you're not putting nicotine in. And I've had a few come back. I mean, I'm not, I'm not batting a thousand, but I have had a bunch come back and they'll say, you know what? My anxiety's down, but I'm not smoking. And that actually worked. Well, no shit because it's a breathing the exercise. Breathing. Yeah. yeah. The box breathing I tell people do all the time. Yeah. So do you do like any interventions on people too? Or do you always wait for people to kind of like hit you up and like, Hey, I got a problem. Or do you like, oh. you do oh. both? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's I like, I don't know if I said it to Sharif when we were on the plane, like when I want to keep it light and easy, I'm 50. So I typically, how old are you? 42. Okay. Did you ever watch the movie Pulp Fiction? Fuck yes. That's one of my favorite movies. I'm the wolf. That's how I keep it light. <laughs> yeah, like legit, I, I'm the wolf. When shit goes bad, I get the phone call. And they're not light phone calls to take. So if I can keep it easy with people like you guys, yeah, I'm the wolf. Because look, I, I blew through corporate world once I got these, the job stoppers. So it always people like, you know, what do you do for a living? And it, sometimes I just don't feel like getting into I mean, I work in recovery because then people are like, oh, I don't have a drinking problem. It's like, I know, relax, fucking relax. You're not, I'm not intervening on you. It's okay. <laughs> if you ask me what I do for a living, if I want to answer them, I answer them. If not, I just say, yeah, I just, you know, I retired early. And then they're like, what do you mean you retired early? I'm like, yeah, I invested well. And if they keep pushing, they're like, what'd you invest in? And I always say myself. And then I leave it at that. I do like but the, I do. I, I do like the hand tats. I'm not going to lie. And if, yeah, if it wasn't a job killer, I'd, I'd totally get a sleeve. Tell my mom she hates them. My mother hates. My mother met my tattoo artist at a surprise fiftieth that my wife threw for me, and my buddy introduced himself, and she's like, "Oh, how do you know? How do you know my son?" And he goes, "I'm his tattoo artist." And she goes, "Please, no more tattoos on my son." <laughs> <laughs> you can get tattoos. You're a doctor. You can do whatever you want. I know. Nah, dude. You know, it's, I don't know. You know, even though like it's a, it's more acceptable. 
It's just, I don't know. It's part of like what I was, you know, grew up. Like it just, it's not professional. I can't get over it. You know, Sure. I can't. I get yeah. that. So Sully, do you have one on the inside of your biceps right here? <laughs> I got, I'm all sleeved up. Yeah. That's what I thought. So that's, I think I'm going to get one there and I'm going to do it for my dad who passed away almost shit, almost 25 years ago now. So I want to get one for him, but I, I just haven't found the right one, but once I get it, that's where it's going. So I might, I might come up to Vegas to get it done. Where's your boy in LA? Luke Westman, W-E-S-S-M-A-N, Luke Westman. Perfect. He's on Instagram. All right, I'll find him. No, but that that's, so... You said something interesting that, you know, I was going to ask the question, when you try to help somebody, is it pretty common to go through the same steps? But you kind of already answered that a little bit, that it's each person's an individual and like you have to individualize how you do it. Um, I don't obviously don't want names or anything, but what was like one of the most interesting ones that you did that where you're like, oh, God, I don't know if I can get through to this guy or this person. And then you turn the corner. So a victory for me when I talk to somebody, if I'm doing an intervention or it's called, uh, if I'm just doing my 12-step work and you meet a guy and you 12-step him, you try to get a drunk, you try to talk to him, you try to get him to a meeting, get him the treatment. In my professional life or my personal life, it's different. And the one thing for me is if they're doing an intervention, a victory might be not getting that person on a plane or in the van or in a car to go to treatment. A victory might be, hey, okay, hey, Sully, can we go outside? Can we talk for a few days? And, you know, I don't, I can't push somebody. Like there are some where you literally want to pick up the guy and be like, look, motherfucker, you have no other options. It's either the streets or rehab. And for me, I fought that. Because in my head, when I had an intervention done, I'm thinking about all the people that my family doesn't know that I can go hang out with. Meanwhile, I had a beautiful bed in Williamsburg, Virginia, jump on a plane from Boston and go. And I fought that for four hours. So sometimes people like sit down and that you go through, you know, when, when you, when you walk into intervention, people are like, oh, fuck. Or they're like, man, thank God. Just, yeah, I want to get out of here. Can, can, I'll just take whatever help I can get. Do you find a buddy? Okay. I had a buddy who had an intervention done on him at eight in the morning on a Monday. And he's a famous guy and they got him to his own intervention because he did a podcast and he thought that the podcast he was told he was doing with the Wu-Tang Clan, and he legit thought that the Wu-Tang Clan was going to show up at his house on Monday at 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> that would be dope. <laughs> like, we got to get the Wu-Tang Clan on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, but that's how twisted he was thinking they were going to show up at his house at 8 a.m. <laughs> the only way they're showing up at 8 a.m. is if they haven't gone to bed. Hey, dude, if, if Method Man and Rizza and Jizzle want to show up at my house at 8 a.m., you guys can come over anytime you want. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'll have breakfast ready and everything. <laughs> breakfast, shit. <laughs> no, so it all, depends. it all depends, Sharif, right? There's like yeah. easy situations. And sometimes when you think it's going to go well, it's fucking horrible. Right. Sometimes you think it's going to be hard. They're like, yeah, man, thank God. I just want to get out of here. Can I go? Can I go away for a month? They're like, yeah, come on. Yeah, I mean. It's got to be tough when you when you see. I mean, we've all done it, especially even in in medicine and what we do. We see these people like continue to do things that harm themselves, and and as physicians, we're like, God, you know, you have to you have to stop doing this. And it might be an injury, or it might be this, not not just with alcohol or, or drugs, but 
we see it and it's so hard sometimes to get people to get out of their own way yep. however there it, there is something that is so amazing about the the human that needs somebody to tell him or her where you tell them and they're like i've been waiting so long for somebody to just point that out it's almost like they know but they need to be validated by somebody to say it's time that you stop this and they're like uh, thank god yeah thank god yeah thank god i just want to i just want to get i just want to break I yeah just wanna, and i try to i try to stress that to people if it's you know we get them into you know, a nice beautiful rehab in california and malibu would be like look just go away just disconnect for 30 days. Mm-hmm. You don't have to give up your phone. You don't have to give up your laptop, but just let's just get you away into a safe environment with trained professionals. Just go disconnect, just shut the world off for a month. And if you can really get them to like digest that, then they're like, okay. Right. Cause it's, you know, some of them, they're like, look, it's either this or the shelter, you know, you either go or you go, you pick which way you're yeah. going but it's not staying around your family. And as an alcoholic during an intervention, I can find out where the weak link is. If everybody's not locked in and I'll drive a truck right through that weak person and know that I'll get my way out. Well, it's an interesting process. So what are you doing now? Like, how do you main, you you know, you're obviously got a cool aura, very cool vibe. You're very like, you know, like chill, like kind of like Buddhist chill. Like, so what what are you doing to like maintain that? Do you meditate? Do you work out? Do you like, what do you do? Do you journal? So what I do on a daily basis is I get up in the morning. My wife makes me a beautiful iced coffee. It's always next to my bed. I get up and before I do anything, I hit my knees. I pray. I get quiet. Then I make my bed. Then I go to the bathroom and I brush my teeth. So that's how I start my day. And I try to let new guys know, like, every day, make your bed. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because if you don't do shit all day, at least you made your bed. You accomplish something by making your bed. And for Elkies and newly in recovery, like, it's minor victories add up after a while. So then, you know, I go, sometimes I'll jump on a Zoom. Now, for me, COVID sucked. But the positives I took out of COVID is me and my wife realized we didn't have to live in Hermosa Beach full time. We can move to Vegas and save a shit ton on taxes. That was number one. Two, I had no idea what Zoom was four years ago. Now, I live by it because I can either do a a Zoom meeting with my friends back in LA while I'm in Vegas, or I can do a Zoom meeting that we started on Mondays and Fridays with probably 25 to 30 guys. And there's one guy on there that knew nothing about sobriety when COVID started, and he's coming up on four years on March 18th. Like basically when COVID started, he got introduced to me through mutual friends, and he jumped on that. Um, I live on this thing. I'm always on the phone, whether it's with friends, whether it's, you know, buddies that I haven't talked to in a while, but I constantly live on my phone. It was a running joke. My buddy was here. He's like, does anybody talk on the phone more than Sully? And my wife's like, no, this is my lifeline. This is my lifeline. And then um, I try to do three AA meet, three 12 step meetings a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because now I found my tribe and we go out to lunch after. And the meetings help for me because it lets me shut the world off for an hour. Like legit, I try to stay away from my, I'm not that important that I can't, my wife knows where I'm at. She knows that I'm gone from 1130 to 1:30. I'm driving to the meeting. I'm in the meeting. And then I typically grab lunch. And then I just, you know, come hang out here, do some work calls if I need to, or just chill. And I'm a big sports guy. So I'm constantly watching hockey. That's basically 
I try, I get quiet in my backyard. We have this beautiful backyard here that overlooks a golf course. So I get quiet there, play some music, whether I want to hear my liked songs on Spotify or coffee jazz or something just to relax. And then next thing you know, I'm shutting it down at night and thanking the big guy upstairs for keeping me clean and sober another day. That's it. God bless you, man. Now, what's funny is that you, we, we, I forgot about that part. So what's even more interesting, and this is how Sully and I knew we were supposed to meet, is I had to do, I had to meet a group of people before my talk, and we met at the Flemings that ironically- Guess what? That's what we were just at. Yeah. Ironically, <laughs> is the one he goes to. He's like, so where'd you go last night? And I was like, oh, we we're at the Flemings. And he goes, holy shit, that's where I go. So if we weren't going to meet on the Every plane, we were going to meet on the fucking fundings. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, I totally forgot, I forgot about, about that. that. Me too. <laughs> no, it's crazy. So that's, so, I mean, it's, it's a simple, for me, it's just, it's a routine. And as an alky in recovery, I need structure. Without structure, I'm a fucking circus. <laughs> <laughs> but we, yeah. we laugh at that. But the reality is, is... That's not uncommon. I mean, we need structure because it would be just sheer chaos. And I think those of us that never had it and, you know, what, what's really crazy is we see it in medicine sometimes to get to where we are in, as orthopedists or as physicians or whatever. One of the things is it's like you have to do this to this to this to this to this and then you graduate. So you're, you're almost kept in the straight and narrow. You, you can't help but be clean and do whatever to get to that point. However, there are some really, really, really smart people out there that get through this whole process with really big problems. And we see it because that stress builds up and then they become raging alcoholics or whatever, drug addicts. And, and you're like, holy shit, that guy's a surgeon. And you're like, but you can see how you could get there. And those people, I, I'm curious to what your thoughts, and I mean, you may or may not have seen somebody like that, where they're so remarkably smart that they kind of cheated the system and got through it with their problems. And how do you how do you help somebody like that that's almost cerebrally more difficult to treat because of the things that they've gone through? When I'm able to develop the rapport with somebody, and if they're that book smart, it's legit when I can talk to them, be like, hey, man, dumb it the fuck down. Dumb it down. Everything that you know up here, I'm an alcoholic, right? My brain wants me dead. Plain and simple. Either I stop drinking and using a day at a time or I die and then I'm stopped, period. So when I talk to someone and there's some really, yeah, there's some really bright fucking people out there. And all I tell them is, hey, man, just dumb it down. Just dumb it down. Like the book that I live in, I tell people, just read the black, right? Don't read anything in between. Just read the black. We'll break down words if you want to, but don't read in between the lines. Just read the fucking black. Yes, you might have a degree from Harvard or Stanford or wherever the fuck, but you're an alky just like me. We're on the same page. We're here. You're not up here. If anything, you're down here because you can't figure this part of it out. Like, just don't drink and use today. That's it. Like, going back to you, Cuff Daddy, don't worry about six months. Just don't get drunk today. You got... Two and a half hours every day. Yeah. And by the way, and I wanted to touch on that because yeah. my sister, way back when, I'm the baby of five, four older sisters, and I had 38 days sober and I got thrown out of a homeless shelter. That's where my life was. That good. I was in a homeless shelter. And um, when my sister came and picked me up, she got really angry at me. And she said, I didn't want to come pick you up. And I said, well, I had nowhere else to go. 
And she said, if you get loaded again, I'll never talk to you. And I said to her, I don't know if I'll, and I say this to this day, I don't know if I'll stay clean and sober the rest of my life. I don't. What I will do is I'll commit to staying clean and sober today. And we can revisit this tomorrow. And that's 15 years coming up on March 11th. So it's like, just, I live in today. And when I get future tripping, I get all spun out. But what about this? And what, no, what about, how about I just don't get fucking loaded today? That's it. <laughs> it just sounds cool you. that you've been sober for that long. Cause it's like, to me, it's like a, a cool accomplishment. That's why I'm like, I could do, if I could do six months, I'm gonna go longer. Just kind of keep going as long as I can. Just do today, <laughs> man. We'll revisit this conversation tomorrow. Just do today. <laughs> That's yeah. it's that simple, especially if you're a doctor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just don't fucking get loaded today, man. You're good. Oh, I do. I mean, I'm pretty regimented. Like I won't drink like the night before surgery, you know, it's just really in a social setting. But I just, like I said, I just feel like I'm old and I feel like I don't even need to drink in social settings anymore. I just want to be like straight, you know? It's a challenge. It was funny yeah. before you came on, Sully, we were joking about it. And he made that comment. And I was like, yeah, I had a couple of drinks today because I was on a flight and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and I have no idea why I did it. Because <laughs> you're bored. Like, why did I do it? Because yeah, you're like, bored. Can't. You yeah. can, I can't. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this, though. Now, we had a guy on last season who just set the record for most golf courses played in one year. He played 500, he played 580 courses in one year, one, 365 days. That's wow. incredible. He played a lot of fucking golf. That's how. So sometimes two, sometimes three rounds a day. Five hundred and eighty. Now he's a recovery. Is he single? No, uh, no. He's his girlfriend's on the on the bus with him, so he has an RV. He he goes around the country, and he's been clean and sober for I want to say fourteen years or eighteen years. I can't remember. So, do you find that these these people with addiction find something else? that is more healthy or whatever. Is that well, what you, I got 98% of my tattoos in recovery. Okay. So I'm on probation by my wife. No more tattoos, no more sneakers. I was going to say, cause no, sneakers are your problem and no more candles. I just bought this one. She makes fun. You, you need some. You need some piercings. I think you need some piercings. Oh no 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 no! I had them. I had them. I got that was back in the nineties in college. Yeah, I mean, so do people find other uh, addictions? Is that what you yeah. were going with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can, and another dangerous one is gambling. Yeah, especially these days where you can gamble on your phone and everything else. And well, it, I'm and cheap, it, so that's not going to be me. But it's it's the people that are in recovery. It's and now it's marketed to younger kids and mm -hmm. social media and everybody's just in their phone. It's, you know, there is some good, like people work out, right? Some people stop drinking and then they throw themselves into the gym and they go work out a ton. And, you know, everything is, it's balance. Balance is key, right? Daniel son, balance is key. It's, it's how do you find the proper balance that works for you? Yeah, that's, that's the Holy grail. Even like with life and our careers, like I constantly just, try to balance like this and my work and then, you know, family and, and, and try to give enough to everybody without exploding. How do you do it? <laughs> I just do it like day by day, like how you say, but like, I never really thought about it that way. The one thing that I do like to do that I, I, I got, if I get time is like meditating, meditating is huge. Um, like even though I do like 10, 15 minutes, if I can a couple times a week. And like, that's like my favorite 10, 15 minutes of like 
the day. Do you use an app? Yeah, I use uh, Headspace. It's pretty good. I learned how to do it over COVID, but you know, it's constantly practicing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to get longer, but I don't know. You know, I just kind of, there's distractions, but I'm pretty good with like a good 10 minutes. Do you do, do you meditate at all? I do. And, and the, the statement that I typically say to people when they say I'm not good at meditating, there's not good or bad. Either you do it yeah. or you don't. That's right. That's right. So I just, I, I, I'd like to go longer. Then do it. I try. I'm trying. It's hard. Like <laughs> I, I meditate in the backyard. I oh. just sit there. Sometimes I have music going. Sometimes I don't. I'm not on my phone. I'm not texting. I'm not talking. I'm just sitting and just being with whatever. Yeah. It, it is amazing. It's uh, I used Headspace. That dude's uh, accent was my favorite. Andy, uh, he's the best. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, you know, I switched to Pelotons just because I'm on there. And so anyways, but, but one of the things that I, I'll try to do is I actually want to get away from my normal surroundings. So like you said, go outside. And where I find that I, if I'm doing a good job meditating, I hear leaves rustling. I hear birds chirping. I hear, if I don't hear that, I'm like, I need to work harder. And, but that's what you're saying. I think Cup Daddy, as you said, you get to 10 minutes, and, but our attention span, when was the last time you have 10 minutes in your regular day as a surgeon to have to yourself? It's impossible. Dude, it's rare. It's rare. It's rare. Yeah. And so when, you, so to get to 10 minutes, that's a, that's a huge feat. And, oh Yeah. And so to get to 11, like, like Sully's saying, let's do one more tomorrow. Don't try to go to a hundred, but go to 11 tomorrow, go to 12 the day after whatever. But I, now I'm starting to pick up on this because I think what we try to do, because we're such overachievers yeah. is we're like, we want to go to 30 on day one. It's <laughs> like, you're just not doing that. It's just not going to happen. Sharif, what do you do for, I mean, fuck man, you're traveling again. Yeah. So yeah. What do you do to unwind and just, I mean, this is impressive. You guys are doing a podcast at 10 o'clock PM, your time. So like, I imagine, well, you're on the road, Sharif. Cuff Daddy, are your kids asleep? No. <laughs> so he's in LA. So what is yeah. it in LA? 745? Oh, you're in LA? Oh, the fuck out of here. You got a place to go to stay sober. Yeah, you got, you got hey, an extra three hours. I got to go to bed. I got, I got my sleep hygiene is on point. So like, you know, when it's Where bedtime, my shit is out. Where are you in LA? Uh, in the valley, I I got sober in the valley. My sisters my sisters threw me in the Pacific group, and I lived in Tarzana at my sister's house for a year and a half. Yeah, Tarzana. So yeah, that's that's the stomping grounds, man. The whole the whole valley, Ventura Boulevard. It's nice. I love it. Our house is in Hermosa Beach. Once I left the valley and I found God's country in the South Bay. Yeah, it's tough to get me out of there. Yeah, it's I'm tough to get me to move to Vegas. <laughs> I just opened a practice out here, so I'm kind of like my my roots are getting deep. But I love the South Bay; they have the best weather in California for sure. Yes, they do. It's a different vibe down by the beach. Hey, Bobby, are you there? Where's Bobby? Bobby Digital. Bobby Digital, where are you at? <sighs> okay, can I say something? I just noticed his name. Yeah, I was in a shelter with a guy named Bobby Digital. You just brought me back 14 years, nine months ago. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate that. His name was Bobby Digital. I, yeah, I would have been in sooner, but my air horn's not working. I, I felt like I couldn't come in without it. Um, you know, it's funny. I've, I've been given the name Bobby Digital on three separate occasions, and <laughs> it's never stuck once. So I'm, I'm trying to wait this one out and see if it actually goes through. No, but 
Yeah, so uh, so Sully, this has been a blast, by the way, guys. I'm just sitting back here enjoying the show. But um, every every episode, we like to play a little game. We change it up every now and then. And um, since you're a sports fan, Sharif will text me things from your Instagram. And it's always you, like, courtside at the Lakers game. Lakers game this. <laughs> and so, so Christmas. We, we did this um, uh, in season one. With a big Philly fan, we did essentially 20 questions, um, but you're naming a Philadelphia 76er. So we're going to do the same thing for the Lakers today. So it's 20 questions. We're gonna Why go the around. Lakers? Because that's who I thought you were. You want to do a different team? I'm I'll from Boston. Did you, you Boston? Have you not paid attention to any of this fucking podcast? <laughs> I know. The thing is, unlike these two fools, like I actually prep for a podcast. So I was told Lakers. <laughs> well, I he said was, it was at a Lakers game. <laughs> My wife was like, what are you going to do on this podcast? It's I was Raw like, Dog I don't know. Pod, baby. Right. That's their new, okay. new slogan, Raw Dog the Pod. Well. Whatever you want, I'll go, Bobby. It's your call. Uh, you, you, know, you know what's funny, though? Um, all jokes aside, I have been listening to the Boston stuff, and so I did a double check. And you're going to get a hint to start this 20 questions. So we're not going to down to 19 questions because I'm only giving you one. Um, he just so happens to have been a Boston Celtic as well as a Laker. So we're going to go around the horn one at a time. Um, ask the question. Make your guess. I think Joe Abood got it done. And was it eight questions with you guys? Nine questions? Uh, I thought it was like 11. That? Who's Joe? So, okay. He was a surgeon out in Philly. Yep. So, uh, so we're going to see if we can, we can beat that one. So... Uh, Sully, take it away. Let's let's start off with you. Who was a Laker and a Celtic? Yeah. Well, we're, we're trying to figure out. So the, let's back up. We're trying to figure out this Laker player, and you gave him one already and said he was also a Celtic. Correct. Okay, go. So that's my hint. Travis Knight. Do you have any questions no. for him? You can we ask can a question, him. though. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go Sully. Uh, was he a guard? He... No. He was not a guard. Sully's no. taking over the game over here. <laughs> Just ask any question, Cuff. Shaquille O'Neal. He was a Celtic and a Laker. I forgot about that yeah, one. Yeah, he was, he was on the Heat. He was on Phoenix. He was a Celtic. He was Cleveland. <laughs> you can't ask that. You can say he's number okay, no, one. That's, that's cool. I'll give you – I mean, I don't know if this was his only number – his, he was number 17 in this picture I'm looking at. Don't know if that changed anywhere else. The only 17 was John Havlicek for the Celtics. I didn't say the picture was him in a Celtics jersey, though. Uh, I'm just answering the questions that are in front of me. Michael Thompson? <laughs> hey, Nate, turn that down! <laughs> My buddy's fucking blasting his music in the background. <laughs> Game is off the rails right now. This is yeah. This was uh, poorly done I'm here. I'm so thoroughly confused, dude. You guys only have only asked me like one question out of this. That's the whole point: is to whittle it down by asking questions. And did he I play keep... in the eighties? Um, he did not play in the eighties. No. Yes. Seventeen for the no. He was seventeen for the Lakers because seventeen's retired for the Celtics. Yeah, because that was Havlicek, yeah. Ah, uh, see, so here we go. Was Here's some Fletch? productive reasoning. What was that? Was it Fletch? It was not Fletch. <laughs> no, he was number 99. <laughs> he was 6'5 with Afro, 6'9. Exactly. Um, 
17. Andrew Bynum was 17, but that was way later. Yeah. Here's another question, guys. Ask the questions. I'll, I'll tell you the answers. Was he a fo- power forward? He was not a power forward. He was a forward. Yeah, McAdoo. you see that little inf- inflection there. I'm trying to give you guys the extras. McAdoo. I'm, nope. Orlando Woolridge. <laughs> nope. Just spitting out names now. Oh, shit. Um, Rick Fox? Yes! Ding, Rick ding, Fox. ding. Rick He was 44th in the Celtics. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. That's a good and, one. Nice and, one. And, you guys and, made that game way harder than it needed to be. Like, you okay. guys are just guessing. Right, Bobby <laughs> fucking digital. Who is he married to? We're no, not now. married anymore. Or wait, who was he married to? This is Vivica Fox, man. I grew up in the 90s. Come on. <laughs> was it Vivica Fox? Was it Vivica Fox or was it Vanessa Williams? Go look. Vanessa was Williams. It? it was Vanessa oh, no, Williams. Shit. All right. I was a kid in the 90s. So that's only Miss America. <laughs> Short term, short term. Oh my God. Sully. Oh shit. You are fucking awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, What an honor. No, it was great. And, you know, I said to the guys, they're like, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, trust me, you put a quarter in this guy, it's going to be amazing. And look, it was, it was, thanks for having me on here. I always enjoy when people have me on any platform. And, uh, you know, I love being able to to talk about my story a little bit, and maybe maybe one of the twelve statistically could use this podcast, right? Because it's one out of ten that suffers with either substance abuse, mental health, or both. So you never know. You never know where the ripple leads. I'm glad we had. I mean, no pun intended, a sobering episode because we do fuck around quite a bit. But I think we said a lot sure. of important stuff on this pod tonight that I think will help a lot of people on it. And again, and if you do have a problem, find help. I mean, and, and you're out there. I mean, you're easy to find and we'll put it in our Instagram stuff that, uh, you know, where to find you. So if somebody does have some, they can reach out to you. Yeah, please do Sully in LA and I'll do anything I can to help. I had a lot of people help me along my journey. Perfect brother. Well, thanks again for coming on. We'll talk soon. Love you, man. Love Appreciate you too, brother. it. We'll talk to you later, man. Thanks. See you later. Peace, brother. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, It's your boy Cuff Daddy signing out. And it's the American Pharaoh. Find us wherever you find your podcasts at iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music. And then find us on wherever you find us on socials. And until then, we'll see you next week. Hi. <laughs> Gonna get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphones. Yeah. Trying to get a lot of dough and dirt through water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. Trying to get a lot of dough and dirt through water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Hey. I'm trying to get a lot of dough and dirt through all the obstacles, cause anything is possible.
The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent.